Welcome. This is Wacky Wednesday on the Arrowhead Attic channel. I'm Adam Best and we'll be flying solo today as your captain. Producer Richard will make sure we stay safe as our air traffic controller. Uh, we might have some turbulence as there's a crazy storm outside. I'm not sure if you hear that or not, but uh, exciting show today. And before we get to that, I'm going to do a bit of business. So I like to dabble with bets to make games that that, uh, don't feature the Chiefs more interesting, right? If you do the same, be sure to take advantage of this special offer from Caesars Sportsbook. New customers get their first bet insured up to $1,250 by using code ARROWFUL while creating your account. So hook yourself and the podcast up by taking advantage here. If you haven't joined the Caesars community, what are you waiting for? The season is almost here. Just remember to enter our code AEROFULL during signup and place that first bet. The offer is only available to new customers who are 21 or older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for full offer terms. And if you already have Caesars, head to arrowheadaddict.com slash bets to find additional offers and ways to support the pod. All right. Thanks for hanging with me there. I usually have ter- uh, Micro Machines Sterling to rip through that. Uh, he is on vacation. Wish him well. We have a new segment to sh- uh, start the show. Uh, this new segment is the Atom Bomb. So we've had Verderance. We've had Sterling Moments. We've even had Patty's Power Rankings. Today, we drop our first Atom Bomb. So I got to be honest, waiting for real football is killing me. The training camp video hype that just never stops. You know, a guy catching a, uh, a pass against air, the wild speculation, the fear of stars getting injured. You know, I'm not going to mention their names, but I'm petrified about three guys getting hurt. I'm kind of glad one isn't out there right now. Um, and we've talked about that ad nauseum. So I'm not going to talk about the, uh, the Chris Jones uh, contract situation at all today, but if it wasn't for fantasy football prep, I think I'd be bored out of my freaking mind. You know, sorry, but it's, it's football blue balls out here. It's like waiting in line at the DMV. And it kind of reminds me of, uh, my wife and I went to Nashville a couple weeks ago to a restaurant we, uh, really like, and kind of a special place that we go together. And by the time we got our, our entree, it, it was two hours in. They had, you know, the, the service staff was slow. I think they were just overworked in the weeds, as they say. And so to get us our appetizers, it was 45 minutes, drinks, entree, dessert. We were there for over two and a half hours. It was like Oppenheimer or something. And, and that's kind of what waiting for this season feels like to me. It just, I just want it so bad. It's been six months for me, I'm not a baseball guy. I'm not a golf guy. I don't play it. I don't watch it. I, you know, dabble in basketball, like to watch the NBA playoffs. But uh, football is my everything, and it's just been excruciating. So what I think the NFL needs to do, and I think they're inching towards this, is let's just, let's just make the regular season 18 games. Let's just do it. Make the preseason two games. You know, give everybody two buys. We know, we know you're expanding to Europe and, and working this way anyway, so let's just pull off the Band-Aid and get it done. Uh, I just cannot wait to see 
number 15, and number 87 any longer. Let me know how you guys feel about the preseason. Some people love it. Some people love the speculation, the training camp hype. They love to root for the unsung heroes and underdogs, the Cinderella stories that might make the team. And, and I get all that. I like all that. But uh, six months is a long time. And think about it this way. If we didn't win the Super Bowl, it would be an even longer wait. So, but luckily we are Chiefs fans and we go deep into the playoffs every year. I mean, think about if you are a Raiders fan, a Broncos fan, much more painful with much less optimism. So let's move into our next segment. This is going to really be a deep dive on really what I think will determine how well the Chiefs do this season and if they can repeat. Wow, it's just going nuts out there. Um, 10 things that will define the 2023 season. And we're going to start with number 10, Steve Spagnolo's role. And for each of, the, for each of these, we're going to bring back the 8,008 countdown. And I'm going to try to get through each of the 10 in four minutes. Rapid fire. Keep it kind of short today, uh, but kick a lot of information your way. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo's role. Wanted to talk about this due to a mailbag question. And the way I see Spags is he is the CEO of the defense. Since he was brought in, I think Andy has done a much better job of the game management stuff, the stuff that kind of plagued him in Philadelphia, and a little bit here. So Andy really doesn't have to worry about the defense that much, especially on game day. He can focus on how Kansas City wins, and that is with their league-leading offense. Uh, the other thing that I think Steve Spagnolo does so well is he makes sure that the team peaks late season, late season and into the playoffs. They might start a little slow. They usually do. He treats the first half of the season kind of like a laboratory, right, where he's integrating younger guys. He's playing with schemes and combinations. And he really, I think, wants to keep it a little vanilla. He wants to keep some cards, some aces up his sleeve for the playoffs, for those big matchups at the end of the season, like the Eagles, Bengals, and Bills this year. And the example I would use is Spags kind of treats the season, a lot of food he takes today, like, a, uh, like your Friday diet, right? You get up, you need some fuel, you eat breakfast, you uh, slam your caffeine, you're going to eat uh, lunch too. You're probably not going to do a Don Draper and knock back three old fashions at lunch because you got to go back to work. You might have to work out after lunch. Then you have dinner, maybe put the kids to bed. After that, it's time for some whiskey. It's time for some dessert. It's time for wine, maybe even an edible. That's legal now. So I think that's the way he does it. He saves as much as he can for as late as he can, and then he unleashes hell during the playoffs in particular with bespoke game plans. There's nobody, maybe outside of Lou Anarumo of the Bengals, that I would trust more to come up with an, uh, a one-off game plan for a tough opponent and a tough quarterback in particular. I thought 
down the stretch with both Joe Burrow in the AFC Championship game and Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl, he frustrated those guys. He rattled them a little bit, enough for the Chiefs to uh, hang on to victories in both of those close games. This is just the way I see Spags. I think he is very underrated in the kingdom. When fans call for him to be fired or think we can do better, I tend to think they are overrating our defensive talent. Like our defense has some talent for sure, but we're not one of the 10 most talented defenses in the league. We're not one of the probably 15 most talented defenses in the league. Our emphasis, especially now with the way we've built this offensive line and Pat, Pat's contract, Kelsey's contract, um, perpetually reloading that receiver room. The focus is on the offense. So I think he, he does a lot with a little, especially when you look at the secondary and how cheap the, the chiefs keep that. So we're going to bank that time and move on to number nine. I think you guys are going to like this one. And that is Isaiah Pacheco's development. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So he emerged on the scene last year as a seventh round sensation. And I think the kingdom immediately fell in love with him because this guy runs like he's got gum on a shoe, like he's angry at the ground and plays hard, brings great energy, great mic'd up guy, great teammate. Uh, you know, when he said there is no relax or ain't no relax or whatever it was in the Super Bowl, uh, you know, that hit me right here. I think for him to take the next step, he has to improve in pass protection to become that all-purpose. We don't really have bell cow backs anymore, but to become the closest thing we have. Uh, and I think we need him to become more of that because from where I'm sitting, CEH looks like a bust. He's one of the more inefficient backs in the league. Jarek McKinnon, he might be the oldest back in the league, him and Cordero Patterson. And then the generic Prince story, uh, the prince that was promised, he's very exciting, but he's a bit of a lotto ticket. I mean, can we really count on a seventh rounder and a UDF, UDFA running back two years in a row? Maybe. Maybe it's the system, and maybe the Chiefs are just better than the rest of the league at, uh, at uncovering these gym running backs. The other thing I'd like to see from him and I, I think we did see some of this down the stretch along with him getting involved in the passing game more is more explosive runs like in the Jaguars playoff game. 
he had kind of a lot, to be honest, a low breakaway run rate of 20.4%. Now, it's not the stickiest stat in the world, but he uh, he's not exactly facing stacked boxes with the way teams play Mahomes and Reed uh, and the kind of offenses we trot out there, 12 and 13 personnel or spreading things out. We like to, uh, we like to force defenses basically uh, to pick their poison. You know, if they go into nickel or dime, we run down their throats. If they um, load the box, then we're going to pass all over them. But, but anyway, I don't think Isaiah Pacheco has the most difficult situation of, of most running backs, especially when you can t- uh, consider our interior offensive line. I think we have the best uh, guard center trio in the entire league. One of the things that I think could have happened to Isaiah Pacheco, he had a bad line at Rutgers. Bad offense, bad line, not a good team. And I think that limited his ability ability to uh, develop vision and kind of a feel for the game. So I'm hoping that now that he's had more live bullets, that will just kind of happen naturally. So those are my thoughts on Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, I'm not too worried about his injuries. I mean, this guy has a double dose of dog in him. He might be the toughest guy in the NFL. T- maybe the toughest guy in the Chiefs. I don't, I don't know about the NFL, but uh, let's not get carried away uh, with the hyperbole here. But he is definitely one of the tougher players in the league. Number eight. We just don't need that, that much time. Countdown, Otron. Continuity for Justin Reed. So I was kind of taken aback when I, when I heard this, I think, this week. Justin Reed, in his time with the Texans and the Chiefs, He's never had the same defensive coordinator for two years in a row. That's pretty wild. And if you've been a Chiefs fan for a long time, this will remind you kind of what happened to Alex Smith and why Alex Smith was never really able to get it going uh, out in the Bay because he just never had that continuity. I think it's very important. I mean, imagine, imagine getting a new boss every single year. It would be very tough for you at your job. And I think he's kind of a big investment. Kansas City, as I pointed out, is spending less on defense. And really, I mean, along with Aminahue, obviously Chris Jones, but he's one of the more expensive guys in the defense. We really need to uh, to get the uh, ROI on that signing. But I think he played much better down the stretch once he kind of got integrated and got a feel for what Spags wants to do. I uh, would like to see him continue to assume a leadership role. I know last year he he kind of talked out of turn and got into a uh, war of words with Jamar Chase and some of the Bengals. Uh, Jerome says, I really like Justin Reed. Seems well-spoken and a leader. I mean, very smart guy, obviously. Him and his brother. He uh Stanford grad, so uh, that goes without saying. But um. I definitely think he has natural leadership ability and looking forward to him kind of taking Brian cook under his wing and helping him mature as a player. Um, it's going to be interesting without Juan Thornhill back there for the first time in a, in a while, you know, no Sorensen, no Thornhill kind of totally different, uh, different unit. So um, I'm not too worried about them though. I think Spags, 
puts a, a high priority in that position. And that uh, group usually performs well. Again, that's all the time I need. Let's move on to number seven, the linebacker rotation. This one's going to be super interesting. So I had to look this up. I, I had to find an animal that matched this metaphor. But did you know that kangaroos are incapable of moving backward? So they don't walk. They either hop or crawl. And because of their tail, it's basically like a third leg. Um, yeah, I guess that can be a joke if you want it to be. But uh, they're, they're incapable of moving backward. And that describes Leo Chanel. Uh, he just, you get him going backwards in coverage. It is a nightmare. Uh, um, yeah, just not very fluid or agile, like side to side, lateral mobility. But where he excels is as a de facto pass rusher. You get that guy going down downhill. He's a freight train. Uh, and I think we might use him as a, you know, a quasi edge when we do some three, three, five stuff. I, I heard in camp, he was working on kind of uh, some Melvin Ingram stand up pass rushing, basically uh, down on the line. So we might see some of that. Drew Tranquil is the player that I'm probably most excited out of this unit. He's new, of course, so that's part of it. But uh, he's currently second string on the depth chart. I don't think that tells the full story. I think the reason they have Leo with that first team is uh, he's part of the base defense. And Drew Tranquil, they're going to mix him in. I think they might use him like they use uh, Ben Neiman. I think they might use him like they use Daniel Sorensen. Remember, he played safety at Notre Dame. So not only is he great in coverage, he's a really solid blitzer. I think he had something like five and a half sacks last year. So he can do that as well. And what I like about Tranquil as opposed to, to Leo and, and maybe even Bolton, I think when you put Tranquil in the game, you have no clue what Spags is going to do to him with him. There's no telegraphing there. So angry, drunken German. We know Tranquil will be in coverage, but will Spag send him every now and again? Yeah, I think he will. And, and once guys get kind of used to and, and get integrated with this defense, he likes to start sending them more. You, you notice at the end of last year, he started sending McDuffie a little bit more. Um, so I'm excited about Drew Tranquil. Really smart player. As I've noted a couple of times, he won the, uh, the NFL player chess tournament. So no dummy. Willie Gay, on the other hand, great athlete. He does get lost at times, in my opinion. Uh, maybe the suspension last year due to his domestic in, uh, incident with the vacuum and all that, uh, maybe that disrupted his season and kind of threw him off a little bit. I thought really by the Super Bowl, him and Nick Bolton had excellent chemistry, and that was missing at times during the season. And, and that might have been his best game yet. So it will be interesting to see if Willie Gay plays more or Drew Tranquil plays more. And I think it will say a lot about who the Chiefs are going to bring back. Now, Nick Bolton, don't really need to talk about him much. He's the green dot. He's the elite run stuffer. 
I would like to get him more breathers, though. I think he played a lot of snaps last year. I don't know if he needs to be out there and dime. Just my opinion. Nick's a tremendous player, uh, great leader, and uh, I don't think we've seen the best of him yet, but maybe a few less snaps. Finally, we hear the Mitch buzzer. Six, Charles Amenahue's suspension. So he was one of two priority free agents along with uh, Juwan Taylor. And I think he's poised for a breakout because he had the best interior pass rush win rate in the league last season. Uh, now, he didn't play there every down. He split time between the inside and the outside, kind of, I don't know if it was 60-40 or what, but still very impressive. And I'm guessing I certainly did not expect six games. I don't know if you guys did. I bet the Chiefs did in either. I kind of thought four, maybe even three. Alvin Kamara got three. Now, I think the league uh, is taking domestic violence more seriously, and I'm not going to argue with that, of course. Uh, and my hope is that they just are a little more consistent with these suspensions because they've been all over the place in the past, uh, can get kind of annoying. But what this is going to do, it's going to cause Felix and Udike Uzoma and George Karloftis to grow up faster. They're going to have to step up right off the bat. And I think we saw some, uh, some signs of life from George late last season from Furious George. Evan says, I expected four, six uh, shocked me. Yeah. The interesting th thing there, too, is I think he has to play 70% of snaps to get uh, his bonus. And with this suspension, I mean, he would basically have to play every single down when he came back. And he probably even still wouldn't hit it. So I wonder if that's part of why the Chiefs structured the contract that way. Um, in addition to Carl uh, Loftus in his second year and FAU in his first year, Mike Dana. So low-key, I think he was kind of the top edge rusher last year, certainly per play. And uh, PFF graded him as such. I think he's become a fan favorite because he was one of these guys because of his, you know, he doesn't have the greatest testing numbers from the combine or the most amazing measurables. But he plays his freaking guts out. And he is just, his technique is sound. He's durable. He's a hard worker. He's a smart guy, real kind of lunch pail guy. Uh, we're going to need him to be very steady this year and probably the biggest role he's had yet. His snaps are almost certainly going to get increased, probably directly because of this Aminahue suspension. Uh, the silver lining here with Aminahue, I guess if we're really digging deep is that Frank Clark's suspension helped him stay healthy. And it also helped Karloftis kind of mature and come into his own a little bit faster out of necessity. So FAU and Karloftis are going to see some live bullets FAU maybe sooner than expected right now. He's third on the depth chart. I think he's going to work his way up that pretty, pretty quickly and be, uh, be on second team. The thing to watch is when the cuts happen as the preseason winds down, will a veteran pass rusher get released that the Chiefs have interest in and ultimately sign? Or they've made tra uh, trade deadline deals 
two years in a row. One of those deals was bringing in defensive end uh, Melvin Ingram. So that could be an option too, especially if they extend Chris Jones and create a little cap room. I can't say that I'm not nervous about this group. I would like a little bit more depth. I would like uh, a little more experience maybe, but uh, we're just going to have to roll with what we've got. The Chiefs seem confident. I mean, that is worth noting here that the Chiefs seem confident, Uh, but I'm going to remain nervous. Touchdown, Kansas City! Number five, Travis Kelsey's age. I hate to bring it up, but if we're being honest and looking at the things that will truly decide whether the Chiefs repeat or not, I mean, it doesn't get much more important than this. So he had career highs in receptions and yards, 110 for uh, 1,338. Just amazing year, especially considering everyone thought, well, Tyreek is not here. So now all the defensive uh, focus will be on number 87. Surely he's going to regress or step back a little bit. No, he was better. Didn't matter. It doesn't matter what defenses do. He just has that innate ability that je ne sais quoi. Like he just, I mean, he just understands the game and has something to him that nobody else has. Uh, um, I mean, just a once in a generation player. Can't gush enough, but he's the first tight end, 33 or older, to post 1,000 yards since 1967. Just crazy. So what he's doing right now, there's no precedent for it. No one's done this before. So he's already defying the odds. We're already playing with house money. Uh, So on one hand, he's a unicorn, but on the other hand, he's fighting history I think he can continue to win that battle, but is it one more year? Is it two more years? I mean, three more years, um, pinch yourself. But part of the key here, in my opinion, is to borrow from the NBA lexicon, it's load management, right? Let's play Noah Gray a little bit more. You know, Titans come along slowly, but he's now going to be in his third season. I really like what I saw out of him last year. Uh, I think he's going to kind of take over some of those fullback responsibilities too. Let's get Travis a little less snaps. Let's make sure he rolls into the winner feeling good. I know last season in the AFC championship, I mean, his back was so bad that, and as an older guy, uh, well, compared to the players, I definitely understand that. You know, I mean, my, I've been having a tight back this week. It is not fun. I don't know how you go out there and play against the Cincinnati Bengals defense with a back that was like locked up that morning. These guys are incredible specimens. I just, but uh, let's take it easy on Traff. You know, Um, I'm not saying like put him in bubble wrap like I would recommend with Kadarius Tony and Sammy Watkins. That's not necessary, but I see Travis out here like, you know, getting really physical and the defense is getting really physical with him. He's punching helmets, dude. If you break your hand, we're all screwed. So please stop punching helmets. Uh, that's really all I have to say on Trav. I, I just think he's the greatest to ever do it. Seven years of consecutive years of a thousand yard seasons. No tight end comes close to that. Let's see number eight this year and uh, ride the goat back to the promised land.
Let's move on to number four, and that's cornerback stability. Another thing I'm a little nervous about is this luxurious sneed, the chronic knee pain and swelling. It just seems like it's been a problem all spring, all summer, and it's still a problem. And with the other three corners, the other three top corners being second year players, whew, this position is such a roller coaster. There's so much variance. You know, even superstars like Jalen Ramsey and AJ Terrell have had years where they played bad. Uh, for them at least. And I don't think we can expect Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson just to automatically be as good or especially better than they were last year. I mean, for this particular position, it's not like Madden. It's not like franchise mode in Madden where players just, you can count on them like clockwork, get, uh, getting better every single year. It doesn't work like that. I think even Legere Sneed himself had a little bit of a sophomore slump, not a big one, but I thought he took a tiny step back. I don't know what that was. If it was health, if it was the league having more tape on him, if it was a, you know additional responsibilities. So I think this year we're going to find out if the Traverius Ward, you know, letting him walk was a mistake. Because last year it looked like a home run. Now I don't think Ward was terribly expensive when he played like a top ten corner last season for the Niners, but. I mean, when you're getting rookies holding up in the Super Bowl and winning a championship that way, it's, I mean, it's hard to argue with that success story. Uh, the other person to watch here is Ball State rookie Nick Jones. Can maybe he bolster this unit and be another guy that earns snaps? Angry Drunken German says if Sneed takes a step back, we might be able to afford him. Um, yeah, it's possible. Now, I think one of the big developments with this group, I mean, maybe this is hot take-ish, but I think Trent McDuffie has surpassed Snead, maybe not as an all-around defensive back. Snead is such a Swiss army knife that um, I don't, I'm not ready to say McDuffie's the better player or the more useful player, but when it comes to man-on-man coverage against some of the top guys in the league, I think McDuffie's a little bit better there. Now, I know Snead travels some with, with elite receivers. He did so with DK Metcalf. And I mean, who wants that assignment? That guy's built like a Greek god. And he hung in there, but I didn't think he looked sensational against uh, DK Metcalf. Uh, I do have a lot of faith in Snead, but I think Trent McDuffie is one of these guys who has the, the just feel for the position uh, and the fluidity. I think he's got a little bit more like hip wiggle than Snead. Uh, and you've seen him do a pretty good job on Jamar freaking Chase. So uh, I think maybe we're seeing the passing of the guard here. And I'm not sure Snead will be back. I'd like for him to be, uh, to be back. But um, Trent, Mc, Trent McDuffie allowed just 10.1 yards per reception on the year. Pretty astounding number for a rookie especially a rookie who missed half the season with, a, I believe, was, was a hamstring issue um, that the Chiefs just definitely slow played. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, can we afford to bring Snead back? I guess that will be determined after the season. And it's also dependent on how well Snead plays, like that was pointed out by the comments. Um, 
yeah, let's just hope his health holds up because this group is a little bit more, a little bit more shallow than I'd like. But regardless, Kansas City. the Chiefs, their special sauce, what they have done so good at is keeping the secondary cheap and finding these late round gems. So I'm not going to doubt Brett Veach and his staff when it comes to uh, the long-term plan for that unit. Uh, I do have a little bit more, bit more doubt for the third item on our list, and that's the wide receiver room. We, ha- we now have the depth chart and some clarity, and that kind of uh, maybe slows training camp video hype season a little bit because Rasheed, he's on the second team. Justin Ross is on the third team now. Could move up over the course of time, but I think players in their first year, very, very hard uh, to impress Andy Reid enough with his complex uh, complex offense to get on the field. So what we're seeing is Sky in the slot, Kadarius and, and uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling on the outside. Uh, who knows when Kadarius will be, be back? I recently compared him to Kenny from South Park. It's like he can't get through an episode, right? Um, I was really high on Kadarius coming into the season. My hope was he's really bought in. I thought they lost him in New York before Dable and that new regime got there, back with Gettleman and Joe Judge, who just had no clue what he was doing. I thought they lost Kadarius, and maybe that contributed to his body having issues. And I thought our training staff, our training staff did such a wonderful job with Juju Smith-Schuster said it was a miracle that he played in the Super Bowl. I think the work they did with Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I don't know if they deserve the the Pulitzer, the Nobel Prize, like anything you can give them, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Like when he had that high ankle sprain against the Jaguars, I thought the season was up in smoke. Thank God it wasn't. He's, uh, He's built like Gumby. He's tough as nails and we have a great training staff. But they weren't able to fix Kadarius Tony, apparently. So unfortunately, I think we have uh, maybe another tantalizing but defective product, similar to Sammy Watkins. I mean, God, do we really have to go through this again? Um, and I guess the hope with Kadarius Tony is that he can give us half a season and stay healthy in the playoffs. Uh, MVS, he's going to give us his. 750 yards, like clockwork, 45 receptions, stretch the field. Maybe there's an uptick there if he and Mahomes have a little better chemistry, right? Because last year, they just weren't on the same page when it came to their deep ball chemistry. And if if they can get on the same page and uh, work that out this season, maybe he can get, he can get up to the 800, 900-yard range. I kind of doubt it. I doubt the Chiefs have said he's something that they, uh, a receiver that they see having a full route tree. I don't see that either, but um, let's hope for the best. With Rasheed and Justin Ross, I think we'll just have to see how they play in the preseason. If they, you know, blow people's socks off and come out and look like stars, maybe they'll force Andy's hands. Maybe they'll get uh, in the lineup, they'll crack the lineup sooner than expected. Also, injuries. We, Kadarius is already hurt. Uh, You know, we saw last year when a plague ripped through our receiver room in the AFC uh, championship 
that uh, that can force guys into action as it did Sky Moore. Sky Moore is who I expect to lead this group in touches. And I'm growing more confident in him. We had friend of the show, Matt Harmon from Reception, Reception Perception on, and he gave... Kansas City. I'm going to run a little long on this one. He gave Sky his stamp of approval. And that made me feel a lot better about him. But also, small school player, uh, early declare, really tough offense. I think for him to do what Juju Smith-Schuster did out of the slot last year, like just under 1,080 receptions, if he's healthy the, all, the whole season, that doesn't seem that wild to me because Patrick Mahomes is going to spread the ball around, but he's also looking for that new second security blanket when Travis Kelsey is drawing all the attention. Let's move on to number two, offensive tackle play. Another big worry of Chiefs Kingdom. Uh, and to tell you the truth, I'm not worried about us running the ball. Not at all, because like I said earlier, the fear of Mahomes and Reed, that gives us light boxes, right? And even though Jawan Taylor and Donovan, uh, Donovan Smith are weak run blockers, I don't think that matters. I don't think it's going to hold back the running game because of uh, all our talent, the schematic versatility, and just, yeah, again, Mahomes and Reed, they were brought here to pass block. That's why they were brought to Kansas City. And I think, especially if Donovan Smith is healthy because he had a laundry list of injuries last year, I think they can be better pass blockers than Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr. Now, I don't think they're going to be better run blockers, but that's not how championships are won, right? And again, we have the best interior line in football, so that helps the running game too. Uh Taylor, he ranked seventh in PFF's pass blocking efficiency stat last year. That's why you got the big money. You know, teams are projecting a little bit, hopefully not wish casting, hopefully projecting accurately, but a lot of upside for him to be one of the best pass blocking tackles in all of football on either side. You're seeing sort of the, the opinion of left tackle versus right tackle. Left tackle is still more valuable, but we don't think about this the way we did 10 years ago where the left tackle was arguably, after the quarterback, the most important person on the team by far, and the right tackle was sort of an afterthought. I mean, we all know how important Mitchell Schwartz was to that first Super Bowl run and how valuable he was being the best player at his position over a pretty decent chunk of, um, of, of time. Um, and then there's Smith, who... I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, Donovan Smith was terrible last year. He was awful. He was god-awful. But Tampa Bay was in meltdown mode. You could see it in Brady's body language. That team was cooked, all right? They have a lot of talent, but when your offensive line falls apart, and I mean, it's a little bit of poetic justice that they won their Super Bowl because our offensive line fell apart and then the end of Brady was because their offensive line fell apart. But, you know, offensive line continuity is not to be underestimated. And we all saw the dip in Orlando Brown Jr.'s play 
when he had to go out there without Joe Tooney as that anchor beside him. And I think Joe Tooney, my God, I mean, Joe Tooney and Creed Humphrey got left off the NFL top 100 list. I just, the Chiefs only get three players. They win the Super Bowl and they only get three players on that list. Anyway, uh, just a little tangent, but I couldn't believe that. Uh, Joe Tooney is going to make life very easy, I think, compared to what he had last year, Donovan Smith had. And let's hope we see a resurgence because in 2021, Smith graded out as PFF's sixth best pass blocking tackle. Uh, that year was his best year in the league. So we're not that far removed from it. If we can get him back to, I mean, just 80% of that, and Donovan Smith is our fifth best lineman, our worst lineman, you know how many teams would die to trade places with us, would crawl over broken glass? Probably 25, 26. Very good offensive line. Come on, Mitch. Touchdown, Kansas City. All right. Here's what we've all been waiting for. And that is the next Mahomes evolution. I'm guessing it feels like everybody saw Queen's Gambit, right? Big fan of that Netflix show. But there's a scene where chess prodigy Beth Harmon, she plays against 12 players at once. And in my opinion, that's what Patrick Mahomes is doing. But he's doing it with 31 defensive co uh, coordinators who are constantly trying to crowdsource a way to stop the greatest talent the league has ever seen. And they've had a little bit of success. You know, we saw that uh, too high stuff that kind of got the Chiefs in a funk a couple of seasons ago to start off. Um, and they've had to sort of evolve. So the initial Mahomes 1.0, very vertical offense with the Legion of Zoom there. And won a Super Bowl, right? But when they took that away, when defenses took that away, he had to shift. He had to become more patient. He had to take what was given to him underneath. And it was more short, intermediate stuff. That's why Juju fit in so well last year. Uh, the yak attack from last season, most yards after the catch in 15 years in the entire league. Also, 31 passing TDs to backs and tight ends. That is the most in the Super Bowl era. So... If you're going to make him be a bit of a check down Charlie, he's going to do it better than anybody has ever done it. And what do I think the next evolution for Patrick Mahomes is? Here's what I think it is. Improving at beating defenses pre-snap. Getting to the point where he's like Neo, just in the matrix, just looking at agents and just seeing all the green code. That's where he has to get, where he knows how to beat you before the ball's even snapped. And I think this is what made Breeze, Manning, Brady, and now Rodgers so great as they got up there into their 30s. And now we're seeing 40s. And my God, I hope with the advances in recovery science um, that uh, Mahomes is going to play into his 40s too. Because if that's the case, we've got about 15 more years. But he's just getting started, guys. He's... He's what, 27 years old? I mean, he's a pup. And just look at guys like Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Kirk Cousins. A lot of 
why I think they've become slightly above average quarterbacks in this league is just the amount of time they've had. You know, Kirk Cousins and and those other guys sort of lucked out and they've had they've had a lot of they played a lot of games, thrown a lot of passes. And even someone with marginal talent like that, if you give them that much experience, they're going to start to crack the code. So imagine what happens when you have someone like Patrick Mahomes ability who accumulates that experience and starts to crack the code himself, especially with an offensive mind like uh, Andy Reid. I don't think the swap of Matt Nagy for Eric uh, Bieniemy, that's they're not going to lose a step. You know, they're going to be the same old machine, well-oiled machine. Um, I also want to say before we go, man, I thought it was bullshit what Ron Rivera did to Eric Bieniemy yesterday. He basically threw him under the bus for being a kind of hard-nosed coach. Touchdown, Kansas City. You guys know how we do things in Kansas City during training camp. It is grueling. It is demanding. Uh, it is, um, you know, it's just the hardest training camp in the league. And we've had great results. You cannot argue with the results. I was glad McCole Hardman and Tyreek Hill and some of the Chiefs stood up for EB. It's just really sad because I think EB has had some discrimination when it comes to moving up the ranks and trying to become a head coach in the NFL. And before the season even starts to have Ron Rivera, his head coach, just kind of throw him under the bus. I don't think that was really helpful to uh, him having more upward mobility. So, but we'll see what happens there. I do fully expect that Washington offense to be better because I think he's a good coach, but also they have weapons. Antonio Gibson is, is a good weapon. Terry McLaurin, maybe the most underrated receiver in the league. Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson. Uh, like our own Patrick Allen said, once a chief, always a chief. I think there are some limitations to that. If you go to an AFC West foe, that's canceled. But I think we're all rooting for EB in Washington. That's all I've got for you guys today on the solo show. So until next Wacky Wednesday, signing off for Richard. I'm Adam. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs.